fake, fake, fakety fake. Hi, I'm Jody. I'm Caitlin. And welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far-right podcast Rebel News, and then talk about how China is secretly plotting to destroy the universe with my friend Caitlin. How are you, Caitlin? I'm doing okay. Just getting day by day through self-isolation. Have you gotten a cabin fever yet? Oh yeah, 100%. I think I already told you this earlier today, but I woke up with my son being a a lovely morning person this morning. (laughs) He decided to jump on top of me with his knees and then proceeded to do the same thing to uh, the little one and didn't like me to tell him to stop and then threw a temper tantrum. So it was a second weekend and tons of fun. (laughs) (laughs) Just a heads up for our listeners. I forgot to mention this last week, but given that we are both recording from separate locations, recording the clips becomes slightly more annoying. So what I might do going forward is play one or two clips in the final recording, like I did last episode, but the shows are going to be a little less clip-heavy during the social distancing era of this podcast. It ever ends. I mean, it, it could last several months, so we'll just have to... Wait and see. (laughs) We were also going to be doing some shout outs for our extended good news segment at the end of this show, including places to donate. So if you can only afford donating to either COVID relief or this podcast, please donate to COVID relief. That being said, I was unemployed going into this pandemic and therefore don't qualify for a lot of the relief being offered by the government. So if you do have some extra resources and would like to support this podcast, this is a perfect time to support us. Absolutely. So you can become a monthly subscriber by donating at patreon.com slash imperial news. Now, we are going to go into the imperial roundup segment. However... I will say right at the front, there isn't much to talk about this week in terms uh, in terms of the content of the week, in part because most of the content is how China is bad. The thing is, we can't really assess that yet because we're in the thick of it. So if China really did do things that contributed to the spread of COVID-19 or somehow mismanaged their own Uh, coverage such that it was allowed to wreak havoc on the world. I don't have that information yet, so I can't assess all the wild claims that Ezra makes in this week that we're going to cover. But stay tuned. At the very end, we're going to go through some good news stuff. So are you ready, Caitlin? I'm ready. It's the Imperial Roundup! Hello, my rebels. Hello, my rebels. I'm a good boy. I'm a weirdo. All right, we start with March 16th, and there was a guest host. Can you guess which guest host it is? I'm hoping it's not Kian. It is definitely not Kian. Thankfully, they've got Kian in quarantine. <laughs> I don't know that that's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh is it the menzoid what is this are you guys kidding me it is definitely the menzoid he is hosting the show and he begins by pointing out that trudeau's claiming that he's going to turn away asylum seekers but david menzies calls this a lie and the thing is it might have been a lie so this is march 16th right it might have been not a lie but trudeau was signaling that he was going to do this and he did eventually do this But I guess to the rebel crew, they want to believe that Trudeau is really so super pro-migrant that he's just going to let people crawl over the border. Mm. He then complains about the lack of screening, especially in terms of at the airport for COVID-19. And then he plays clips of him stalking Chinese people and Iranian people at Pearson's airport in Toronto. Okay. So it's just clips of him going up to people going... What, like, how is your testing? Like, are you going to go into quarantine? So he's not self-isolating? He's actually, like, going out into public and doing this right now? Well, again, this was March 16th. So it was before things really started to clamp down. He should have been already practicing self-distancing probably at this point. But then also, if you are really afraid of the coronavirus, 
Why are you at the airport exposing yourself to these Chinese people that you've been fear-mongering? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Did he go up to like any white travelers or was it just strictly Chinese and Iranians? Chinese and Iranians. That was it. I mean, on the flip side of that, it's also bad because he didn't do any South Koreans. He didn't do any Italians. I mean, I don't think it was as big then, but Spain and France also have large populations of corona outbreaks and uh, even America. And he didn't interview any of those people. He then is mad that he can't call it the Wuhan virus and brings up the whole Spanish flu talking point again that we went over last episode. Which is like, well, uh, we called it the Spanish flu because of where it came from. And as I said last time, the Spanish flu actually started in, likely started in Kansas. Well, it's even like Trump's doing that that whole bit where he's saying, like, I'm going to call it the Chinese virus because it came from China. He's saying China really funny, too, every time he does it. China. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's it. <laughs> um, even though reporters have called him out numerous times for him using that, saying that there is this increased heightened uh, discrimination towards people of Chinese heritage or Chinese nationality. And maybe that he shouldn't be saying those things because it's just striking more fear and panic and misinformation as well. David, then for the interview segment, interviews Sheila Gunn-Reed. <laughs> So it's just a complete rebel news circle jerk in this episode. Well, how many, and like, they can't really invite people, right? Well, I mean, you can still, I mean, if we're doing a, uh, a record through distancing, I'm sure they could find someone and radio them in. Yeah. And they certainly do have more funds than we do, so. Indeed. George Soros, you got to step it up, bud. <laughs> we're waiting for a check. The fu- so nothing happens when he interviews Sheila. They're just mindlessly talking about coronavirus, obviously, and how bad the Chinese are. But then they did an interesting thing where Ezra has his own sort of YouTube show. I don't know if I've talked about it. I think it's called Battlegrounds. And it's like an hour segment where he basically just gets YouTube super chats and addresses questions from the audience while it does like kind of a kind of a clip show like random crap he's pulled off the internet. Okay. And they end up playing that whole segment at the end of this episode. Most of it seems to be Ezra just, you know, fear-mongering about the virus and uh, all the measures that are starting to come into place at this point. Okay. It's weird because they keep like going back and forth like this whole episode, even in the David Menzies and Sheila Gunn Reed segment about how how bad this whole thing is, but then also how the government is trying to be too controlling in some ways that should they be quarantining us like this kind of thing? Like they're, they're on this weird position where they want the government to do something because this is a really bad thing. But then on the flip side, they're also like supposed to be libertarians who don't like the government. So they're like, yeah, but is the government being too controlling? And this seems to be like a tension throughout this segment. He also complains, and I couldn't find any information about this. So maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. He says that we banned flights from Italy, but we did not ban flights from China. Mm. And that doesn't sound right to me. I don't think so. Right. Neither did I. But uh, like, it was hard like, searching for it because like, trying to like pu- push in keywords for these topics just gets you so much, so many web pages at this point with all the news coverage that's going on about this. So I kind of let that one pass, but was just like, that sounds weird. I doubt I doubt the government would ban from Italy, but not from China. I don't think they did. They started banning um, days afterwards, and then it was like specifically, like it was specifically like all other countries but the United States, and then eventually they said the United States as well. So the other interesting thing that comes out of this segment, and the last thing I'll talk about for this day is that a lot of the people that he's responding to, a lot of his like viewers, seem really mad about Roxham Road. Just as a reminder, Roxham Road is this crossing, is a crossing from New York State to Quebec. And a lot of migrants 
travel and refugees travel across that border. If you go through the proper channels, because we have a safe third country agreement or safe, I think that's right, safe third country agreement with America, Mm -hmm. they get sent back to America if they try to come through a normal border crossing. But if they go through an irregular border crossing, they have to get processed differently. So that's what's happening there and why Roxham has become this like lightning rod for the far right. It's just interesting because in this context, it's almost like, what does this have to do with the spread of coronavirus other than somehow attaching the spread of virus with these migrants coming over through this irregular border crossing? Yeah, and I mean, like, I guess this is before he announced, like, turning away asylum seekers, but it's also, like, the disease isn't spreading through certain groups of people, it's spreading everywhere, right? And it's a mass pandemic. Yep. And this is just like playing into these like racist rhetorics of people, I don't know, wanting to blame a certain group. Well, it's weird at this point too, because they haven't really been talking about Roxham Road in context with this, but you can see the connections that their audience makes. Yeah. Like their audience is connecting the dots going, Roxham Road bad. Here we have this pandemic. Let's connect the two. And now we're going to, they're like feeding a kind of fear mongering narrative to Ezra to then reform and spread or whatever. Yeah. The other interesting thing that happened from his audience is several of them started calling Ezra a xenophobe for blaming China for the spread of this virus. Can you say xenophobic? Uh, I can say it, but I don't believe it uh, because the virus came from Wuhan, China. Um, That's just a fact. Uh, Iran was another hotspot and Italy. And we actually, here's the irony, uh, xenophobia commenter, we shut down flights from Italy a week ago, but there's still flights from um, China. And I was like, either this is like members of his audience that are like me that like hate watched the program and commented to him. Okay. Or these are people who even his own fan base feels like he's going a bit too hard at China. (laughs) That's interesting. That is interesting. And he tries to defend himself and he's like, I'm not being xenophobic. I just think, you know, we should call it from where it came from. But I thought some of the commenters were spot on, which is like, you're causing the fear mongering against Chinese people. We then move on to the 17th, and guess what? David Menzies is hosting again. What guys, 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 kidding me? Oh, Ezra's like, I'm not getting this fucking illness. I'm staying home. Yeah, I wonder what it was, but I'm guessing it has something to do with that. Hmm. Or at least, if I'm being like charitable, it's probably Ezra is trying to figure out what he's going to be doing in the future and like doing that kind of stuff. And it's like, David, take over. And David's like, are you kidding me? That's a good impression of him. This is like a weird episode for me because I actually agreed with David Menzies and pretty much everything he talked about on the beginning segment. He's talking about panic buying. So, for example, the people who are buying a tons, tons and tons of toilet paper. And he's also criticizing people who are not buying Corona beers because they have a similar name. Okay. And... I agree. Panic buying is kind of ridiculous, especially all the toilet paper. It's so stupid. Right, exactly. And the same thing with like not buying Corona beer because it shares a name is also pretty stupid. Yeah, well, that's really dumb. And so, yeah, I mean, the one thing is he makes some bad jokes about it. In addition to opposable thumbs, big brains and the ability to create fire is the fact that we don't tend to do our business on the jungle or forest floor. Hygiene is synonymous with civilization. And I think the idea of running out of toilet paper brings us that much closer to Magilla Gorilla territory. (laughs) Yikes. You know, folks, as much as I loved the 70s, Sometimes that decade was cheesier than a bucket full of Bulgarian feta. I can't even remember what the bad jokes are. I just remember going, oh, <laughs> he's, he's not a good comedian. Yeah. He's like ironically fun to listen to, not because of the things he says, but because of his clownish behavior. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's almost like he hasn't grown up. So Ezra did mention this on something earlier this week. 
that I'm going to talk about at the end of this segment. But he did say that David Menzies is the oldest member of the Rebel News staff. Just so odd. He comes off like this very naive young man. That's what he reminds me of, like a very gullible young guy. Yeah, he reminds me of a high school jock that never grew up. That could be it too. So then David does something that's actually genuinely considerate. And it surprised me and took me back a little bit. He ends up promoting this place in Toronto. I think it's in Toronto called Wuhan Noodles. (laughs) And he criticizes people for being afraid of local Chinese businesses and even interviews the owner of the business. Okay. And gives it's he's like, I don't understand why people are like freaking out about this. Like, you're not going to get coronavirus for eating Chinese food. And he like says he's like, I had a plate of their noodles. It's delicious. You got to start buying Chinese food because we need to support these businesses. Interesting. That's a pretty good take. It is, which is insane, given that a large part of the xenophobia is coming from Rebel News itself. (laughs) Oh, well, I, I think a lot of it's also coming from like other leaders like Trump himself, right? Like he's saying these things on national television. He's also like uh, yelling at news reporters too, which I don't know if we cover that at all, but. No, but I mean, we could talk about that now, but like, yeah, that was terrifying. Yeah. Just like losing it on that guy. But he just, he also was pretty harsh on some other reporters that were talking about his like very xenophobic remarks to Chinese people. So you have him like outwardly expressing racism and xenophobia for for everyone to see on national television. And I want to say, like, I'm not saying that Rebel is the sole source of that xenophobia, but it was like even the week before when David Menzies was also the host, the whole show was pretty much a show criticizing Chinese people and like going to them at the airport. Oh, I know. I mean, yeah, even the fact that like this week's segment, he went to the airport, right? I don't know what it is. Like, I feel like almost they feel obligated. And it was weird also coming from the previous episode where they had an audience member call out their xenophobia. And it makes me wonder if the two are related. Mm -hmm. Sure. The end of the episode, though, he has another take I kind of agree with, which is that he criticizes the government for not shuttering casinos earlier. And then criticizes gambling generally. Okay. Which is like super woke David Menzies here. (laughs) I don't think we should be funding social programs off of the backs of people who are addicted to gambling. Totally for that. I agree. I mean, I don't have a strong opinion for or against it, but I agree with that general sentiment. I mean, on the flip side, because I want to say that our or the union that I used to be a part of, the union you are a part of, does represent casino workers. So I think if we have casinos, they should be fairly represented. I'm just of the opinion that we shouldn't have it all together. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or I mean, you're talking about supporting the workers in the casino, not the owners of the con- the casino. So those are two two completely separate things, right? Like, I don't give a shit for who's profiting off of these casinos, but I do care about good working conditions for those who work in the casino. He then does go back to fear-mongering against immigrants generally. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> he then plays a clip of Kian. And this is bad because I guess they sent Kian to Roxham Road. And so Kian then like basically stalked a bunch of immigrants coming across uh, the border there and refugees and was criticizing them and criticizing the RCMP. But the best part of this is while he was there... He got a ticket for illegally parking. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And he gets super pissed at the RCMP officer. (laughs) Or I don't even know if it was an RCMP officer, but whoever was giving him the ticket, Kian was just like, well, why don't you, why don't you go deal with your own agents who are letting illegal, illegal people getting across the border? Right behind us Mm -hmm. is um, a border crossing. Mm -hmm. It's New York, actually. And a bunch of illegal immigrants come in right behind us. Yes. They, they illegally cross the border and then they come into this country. Mm-hmm. So instead of pulling over reporters, you might consider doing that, arresting the That's illegal immigrants. That's the RCMP job. Do you think they're doing a good job? Yes, pretty good you job. You think they're doing a great yes, job? Yes, a good job. So they just... your document? You can't park on this road. So Do you have evidence that I was parking on this road? Yeah, or the did officer you... of the GRC, RCMP. Sorry? The officer of the RCMP had the evidence. 
they have the evidence. Yes, you will. And be you've in court. seen it. You will be in court if you contest the tickets. I most I certainly will be in it. court. I haven't you haven't seen, seen it, it, but you're giving me a ticket. Yes. You have no evidence whatsoever, yes, and you're trusting the it. people that are bag checking illegal so, immigrants. So you can uh, you can go. Yeah, I certainly will. You're pathetic. And like, of course, their narrative is like, look, the the liberal government just lets these illegal immigrants into our country. Meanwhile, they give us parking tickets because we're rebel news and we're oppressed. <laughs> or because he illegally parked. Yeah. <laughs> and the best is like, it's another common theme on our show, which is the police are always so super nice to them. To immigrants or rebel news? To rebel news. Are you being sarcastic? No, like in interacting with uh, Kian, he's just like, you know, it would just be nice if you don't park here. Uh, it's an illegal spot and I'm sorry, but I have to give you a ticket. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's true. And meanwhile, Kian's like screaming in his face. Oh, it's yeah. And they really push boundaries and like the cops will be like, okay, I'm going to have to detain you. And they're like, what? Like, like even at the airport when he's like please sir i would suggest you do not jaywalk right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're right i mean that just it goes to show what white privilege looks like right yeah i'm sure it'd be very different if they if they weren't white david then does the interview segment and it is with another rebel regular but not a cast member and it's lorne gunter Great. You know why he has Lauren Gunter on the show? No idea. COVID-19 health advice. <laughs> Interesting. Like, it starts off where Lauren doesn't really say anything that's terrible, per se. Like, he does promote social distancing and says that he's doing it himself. He encourages people to wash their hands, you know. he go The parts where he goes off course is when he starts saying that it, it really isn't actually that bad. It's like the flu. And people get the flu all the time and they live and it's not bad. I've been hearing that quite a bit and people just don't understand. It's like we don't have a vaccine for this. We don't have a way to provide resources for those who are critically ill. And it's not the flu. Like it's not. They've shown that it's very different from the flu. It's a completely different strain of virus than the flu. Yeah, and it differs. But the thing that you have to consider always is that the issue isn't the virus itself. No, it's not. And how deadly it is. It is the stress on the hospitals that is going to happen because of the virus. That's the fact that we don't have the resources to critically manage all the people that are going to get sick from this. And another thing, though, too, is like they've had plenty of cases where people are young don't have any underlying health conditions and have had to be hospitalized. Well, I was just going to say, this is why it's like hard to message this because I think a lot of people, they're relying on say the death numbers and how many people have died. But the thing is young people are getting it and they're living because we have respirators, because we have the resources. But as soon as you like flood the system with too many sick people, you lose the resources and you're going to have to start making decisions of who gets a ventilator and who doesn't, who gets to live and who gets to die. And then our, our death numbers are going to skyrocket. Hence why we should be flattening this curve. If that, if that happens, they're even saying that that's not even guaranteed. It's because, because it's already kind of started and started spreading, but we'll see. I mean, this is the thing. This is why it's like nerve wracking. And I mean, America, like, honestly, America's fucked. I'm I'm concerned about Canada, but stay in the fucking house. Like, don't leave. Don't go outside. Even today, I'm seeing people, and they're like having their kids play in playgrounds. And I'm like, what What are you doing? Yeah, and it's like, yeah, I, I I just don't think that people are psychically prepared for how bad this could be. Now, of course, I'm hoping for the best. I I hope in Canada that we got on it at the right moment and we end up flattening the curve. But again, we're so early in this that I have no clue. So good luck, people. <laughs> Dying. Good advice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, stay isolated. Lauren, the other worst part is, so I mean, like, that's already him sort of, like, undermining how severe this is going to be is bad. But then he starts giving or, 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 like, undermining the health minister, saying that they're going too far. And as, like, we've just talked now, it's like, the presumption is a lot of people are worried about this, like, going too far idea. But do you want to, like, not overreact and then have the worst happen? Or do we want to overreact 
it not be as bad as the health officials are thinking it might be and then being embarrassed that we went too far <laughs> yeah i don't know like i would much rather us like react yeah especially given i mean it's given evidence, right? So, I mean, like, there's overreacting unnecessarily, but it's not like we were lacking evidence here. Like, this looks really bad. Yeah. The best is I was talking to my mom, and she she was saying that, I don't know why people are complaining about staying in the house for two weeks. Like, just stay indoors. I don't know. Learn to make pizza. Stop going out to eat all the time. And she she was just basically using this same conservative rhetoric of, like, you know, people are lazy. People just need to stop whining, complaining. Like she then moves the conversation into talking about how this is only going to be two weeks. It will, you know, time will pass Just spend time with your family. And I was like, two weeks, mom, it's going to be months. I read an article that says anywhere between six to 18 months. And then she goes, what? No, we can't have that. I can't stay inside that long. <laughs> she started saying survival of the fittest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gets better. she's just like we have the flu every year and people die from the flu so she's just like so just like whoever dies off dies off she's just like it is what it is that's life this is like this this is the stuff that scares me it really does because this is what's going to prevent people from socially distancing yeah because she's like i can't i can't do that i'm like you do that every day what do you do you don't have a job you don't do anything so i don't understand like why that's so hard for her but apparently it's like the end of the world now and honestly this this is happening because of messaging from these conservative governments like even for doug ford to put a two-week limit on it was just absurd he should have known then that it was going to be longer and I just after because like I remember when you shared with me that Toronto Star article, it was just a couple of days after that when in a press conference, Doug Ford was like, the two week limit that doesn't look like it's going to happen, anymore, <laughs> you know? Yeah, but you're talking for like schools, right? Like public schools. Right. Um, well, the, so the two week limit was a public school thing, but it gave the impression that this thing was only going to last two weeks. Like my end at my school, because people... Because people are talking like it's only going to be a few weeks or some people have been like, oh, I can't wait till they start opening up more parts of the university again. We literally just closed everything down last night. And I don't think people realize or recognize that it is going to probably like it's probably going to go on a lot longer. Like, I don't think I'm going to have a summer term. No, probably not. No, probably not. So moving on. (laughs) March 18th, Ezra is finally back. And he's spending the whole episode basically talking about what David Menzies was talking about, which is that, why are there still Chinese people coming to Canada? And he plays again the clips of David Menzies at the airport. And apparently there's also clips of Kian at the airport. And the and the clips of Kian at the airport are even worse than David Menzies, which is, surpri- well, it's actually not too surprising. Why are these people going outside? Why? Like, I don't, they're asking for it. I literally hope they all get Corona. Yeah, I'm not going to say that I don't also. (laughs) (laughs) Stupid. Like, at at this point in time, even though we're recording, like, almost 10 days later, when this happened, it's like, we've. it's already been announced that this is a state of emergency, a huge crisis. Like, people know that. It's a pandemic at this point. No, I was already in isolation at this point. Yeah, this is just they're fucking stupid. So what Kian was doing at the airport was going, look, look, that Chinese person is wearing a mask. Look at they're wearing a mask and they're getting off that airplane. Which again, I just want to stipulate they didn't do this to Italians, they didn't do this to South Koreans, only Chinese people. Of course. Ezra then has on Manny Montenegrino, and again, it's just a fear monger against China. And the only real thing to take out of this is that Ezra floats this idea that everyone as individuals should start suing China. I don't even know how that would work, but I love how like the only solution for Ezra ever is suing people. Yeah. China did a bad thing. Sue them. I mean, at least he's not inciting. I mean, he already has, but he's not inciting as much violence as other far right groups. Because he has to walk that fine line. I mean, the only people he threatens violence against are the rail blockaders or Extinction Rebellion people or turkey farm sitters. <laughs> so people who are 
in his opinion, causing too much disruption. Yeah, and you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he advocated for war against China at some point. March 19th. Ezra begins this episode by saying that Manny said we should sue the Chinese. (laughs) Which is not at all how that conversation went. One sue a country. The thing that I love about this is Manny didn't say anything. (laughs) Ezra brought up suing the Chinese, but now he's giving Manny the credit. Maybe he agrees with him? No, Manny was just like, I don't know, sure, maybe sue the Chinese. (laughs) And Ezra's just like, we need to do it. And then now on this episode, he's like, Manny said we should sue the Chinese. And it's like, what? I don't know. Either he forgot it in his own brain or he just felt like if he said it came from Manny, it has more clout or something to it. But I don't know. And this episode gets really weird because Ezra starts going on and on about various conspiracy theories. So he talks about how this could be a bioweapon. Or it could be that the Canadian government brought it to China and like they're in on it somehow. And how this is China's uh, Chernobyl and it's really evidence that the whole Chinese society is going to collapse. What? (laughs) The crazy thing is like it didn't like they know it came from an animal that was sold at like a market. There's markets everywhere. Like it could have possibly happened in another country. But that's gross. That's actually literally his next argument. Just as an aside, there's an evolutionary reason why we humans gag at gross things. Why we sometimes even throw up when something is gross, just at the thought of it. It's our body's natural way, after a thousand generations, of expelling things that could make us physically sick. That sense of revulsion you feel when you see maggots on a dead animal carcass, for example, that sense of revulsion And the urge to throw up is nature's way of keeping you safe, of stopping you from eating gross things because they're dangerous to you. I think maybe we should reinstill that natural instinct of disgust and revulsion for eating some foods, just saying. And the only thing you can infer from that is that somehow the Chinese are no longer listening to their innate sense and are just willy-nilly eating disgusting things because they want to. It's only disgusting because... Because, like, there's cultural norms into food. Which is why I'm disgusted by fried butter being eaten by Iowans. That is gross. I'm also disgusted when people eat, like, cows and chickens. Like, I don't understand why people want to eat that. But majority of Canadians and Americans eat meat, so... The answer for Ezra can never be something that has to do with culture or society. It's always like we have some innate biological capacity that tells us that things are disgusting. And therefore, Chinese people that eat bats are therefore disgusting. I mean, it is somewhat cultural because he's almost trying to claim like this cultural superiority. Or like it's it's basically like white supremacy, like the, the culture, the ideas, the tastes, the habits of those from white European descent are just more superior than those of other backgrounds and cultures and understandings of the world. That's what he's trying to get at. And that there's something like great about being, being a European white. Like there's just something that's like, it's, it's biological. It's just the essence of the world. I don't know. That's what he's doing. That makes sense in the context of like overt white supremacists that hold that line, that there's something innate to whiteness. But Ezra's argument is actually weirder in this context because he's not saying that somehow Western people are innately superior to Chinese people. He's literally saying that we share that same innate disgust reflex, yet somehow the Chinese are ignoring it in bad ways. It it should be obvious as like we've gone over, like it should be obvious to him then that this whole point doesn't make any sense because clearly it's culture, not some sort of innate capacity. Like, what is he actually saying about the Chinese here? Like, I don't even understand it. I think I think it still feeds into the, the argument I'm trying to make is he's trying to say that they almost ignore these like more civilized tastes. Like they're they're ignoring this biological, I don't know, disgust. I feel like he's trying to dehumanize them. That's what I think he's trying to do. I mean, it's definitely dehumanizing. And I think you're right that there's those aspects of it that aren't explicit. That if I was a white nationalist listening to it, you would definitely like pick up on those common themes and go, ah, I see what he's trying to say here. Mm -hmm. 
it's just weird the kind of like navigating it that Ezra is doing to try to not appear like a white nationalist. If he's even trying to appear like a white nationalist, he could just be like stumbling his way through this and not making any sense. <laughs> no, which which is more than likely. A lot of times I feel like conservative rhetoric is them just saying bullshit and not realizing what's coming out of their mouth and just sticking with it. Yeah, I mean, and the next segment actually feeds into that idea very well. <laughs> he plays like a bunch of clips that he's found randomly and anonymously on the internet of the Chinese government doing nefarious stuff. And none, none of it is vouched for. None of it is, you know, definite. He's just like, here's a video of bodies being burned. What does it mean? Here's a video of people walking down the street wearing weird clothes. What does it mean? Okay. And it's like, I don't know what it means, Ezra. They're random videos off the internet. <laughs> he then ends the segment by saying that the WHO is, uh, so the World Health Organization, is actually controlled by China. <laughs> I didn't know that myself, but uh, I guess uh, China controls everything. I feel it feeds almost into that, what, Chicom rhetoric again? The Chicoms are everywhere. They're putting 5G in our homes. Surprisingly, he never mentioned the 5G conspiracy crap at all this week, which is another common Chicom crazy conspiracy stuff that he's brought up himself in previous weeks. Well, it's that it's really bad for us and that the Chinese are doing it to poison us. But also, I think the 5G in Canada is being done by Huawei. And so therefore, it's a way of hacking into all our phones and other stuff. Almost reminds me of like the fluoride in water. <laughs> like the government purposely puts fluoride in our water to make us like more docile. And that's what I hear all the time. Mind control. Yeah. <laughs> and like make us not critically think uh, about what they're doing to us. Like as if the government is some secret malicious organization that's out to destroy the world for no apparent reason. Part of it is like the fear of the invisible stuff going on there too. Cause I mean, you get the, the same thing with people who believe they have hypersensitivities to like Wi Fi and radio waves. And like the 5G one is just another level of that kind of woo thinking. I have a peer who did an MA and I think it was, believe it was Sweden. And he said that he took a course in social inequality and they actually brought in someone who said they had um, hypersensitivity to like, just radio waves yeah and so they had to live in isolation because they couldn't it caused them like physical pain and distress and it's sad because that person is likely experiencing some kind of psychological trauma from this or maybe they have another illness and just connected the two and not got that illness diagnosed yeah i mean it could be that they have a different diagnosis and yet have blamed it on something it isn't and are now depriving themselves of legitimate treatment or it's they have a psychological sort of i think it's called a nocebo effect where you believe something is having a negative effect on you and therefore you feel like you're nauseous or in pain you get the same thing with the people who believe that the windmills are like bad and like cause headaches and nausea and other stuff oh yeah watch out china's coming for you ezra then ends the episode with an interview with Joel Pollock, good old Breitbart news editor. And the only interesting thing here is that Ezra runs several things by him and Joel Pollock just slams him down each time. So Ezra, Ezra goes, should we sue the Chinese? <laughs> and Pollock's like, no. <laughs> no, we shouldn't. We should not sue the Chinese. Ezra then floats the idea that China is going to collapse like the Soviets did after Chernobyl. And Pollock again goes, I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, this is probably one of the times he could be right. There's no like indicators or reasons to suggest that China is in a particular position to collapse because of this. And then Pollock even says that there were reasons to be nice to China when this thing was starting to happen. Because he goes, after all, we needed their data on the virus. So you didn't want to be too, like, punishing towards them or else they wouldn't have cooperated with us. Which, again, I think is a, uh, a pretty good diplomatic sort of assessment. Which is, again, this segment was super weird to me because Joel Pollock is, again, usually terrible at punditry and assessing things. <laughs> but I don't think he's too far off here. I don't know. I, I agree. So that was that. 
March 20th, I, I literally, there's no point in going over it because literally it was more China bioweapon. Why aren't they closing the planes? Ah! <laughs> or the same bullshit over and over again. Yeah, it's like literally. And, they, and here's the thing is they, they also like blame. It's like they blame China. And as I said at the beginning of the show, it's hard for me to assess how much the spread is their fault. Because I've gotten conflicting information from trying to read some online sources that say that they actually did some pretty good things to mitigate the spread of this thing. Now, Ezra is going on conspiracy theories saying that they're covering up cases. They're uh, saying that or he's saying that the communist government is actually lying about the numbers they still actually have. And again, I have no way of confirming that. Oh, of course not. And neither do they. That's the crazy part about it. Even if it was true, how does Ezra know that it's true? I mean, he's he's literally he could literally just be making up anything because all he gets to appeal to is go, oh, this mysterious Chinese government that controls everything is lying to us. Yeah, and that's not to say that I don't have fair criticisms of the Chinese government, and it, and I also it wouldn't surprise me if they were trying to massage the numbers here. I've heard in other countries like Egypt. As well, they've been doing some things. They've been misreporting how many how many people have actually been affected. Again, I don't know how much of that's actually true. I mean, all we have to do is look at the United States. Like, what did Trump... Trump wouldn't let a ferry land, a cruise ship land, because he didn't want to inflate the numbers. Like, there's ways of massaging data that Trump was just blatantly doing out in the open. Yeah. Not to mention that he was denying tests, and then at one point they blocked the CDC from reporting their numbers. I didn't know. That's crazy. So in that respect, I mean, governments do what certain governments do. And it wouldn't surprise me if the Chinese, I mean, because here's the thing was we're not, we're not operating with full information. So maybe, maybe there's some reason they would want to manipulate those numbers and they did it. Or maybe they wouldn't want to manipulate the numbers because they actually worry about the spread of this thing and worry about it coming back and want to help other countries. I don't know what their motivations are right now. And so, like, I don't see the point of having, like, an Ezra show where I just speculate on what the Chinese could or could not be doing. That's true. I agree. So then he ends the show with an interview with Gordon Chang, who wrote the book The Coming Collapse of China. And again, the whole interview is just like, China's going to collapse. It's coming. Still coming. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. That That was last week. We are now recording on March 25th, and I have a bit of updated information. In the future. I wanted to do some research for some of our next shows, and there was actually no show posted to Rebel on the 23rd and 24th, which is Monday and Tuesday of this week. And today is Wednesday when we're recording. Now, today on YouTube, Ezra released a YouTube video basically suggesting that the rebel might go under over COVID. I don't really think that that's true. I don't think that's what's going to happen. And I honestly feel like this is a ploy for them to get like sympathy donations. Yeah. But uh, he's claiming he has a 16 person staff that he needs to pay and all this. And he doesn't want to lay anyone off. And so he's like going through this whole like, you know, a sales pitch to get people to donate. But there hasn't been a podcast this week. So... Either they're trying to get situated with the whole social distancing thing. He did say, I mean, he said it a bit weird. So he said that some of his employees have asked to work for home and he's like allowed it. He's like, others have felt okay to come in. And I almost feel like, fuck off, Ezra. Like, tell your people to go home. (laughs) Like, Like, don't have any of them come in. But he's got people coming into the office, which isn't necessarily great. But he he does claim he's worried about the the show going under. So I don't know what we're going to do for the next few weeks if this is indeed the case. I will say that other than this emergency pod, he did actually share another interview. And it was an interview with Jim... Let's just call him Jim K, the (laughs) conservative candidate. Or I shall say ex-conservative candidate, leadership candidate. And the reason I should say ex-conservative leadership candidate is because the conservative party disqualified him. And it's not clear to me why they disqualified him. So Ezra interviews him. And the reason he gives Ezra is because apparently Aaron O'Toole complained about him 
because of the whole Sharia banking accusation against Aaron O'Toole's uh, campaign manager. <laughs> And he's like, I'm just stating facts, Sharia banking. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so he's been disqualified. He apparently met all the other components of being able to run. So if you remember when I covered Jim Kay's interview, they talked about money and him probably not being able to raise the funds to run. He actually ended up making the minimum, I think it was $300,000 to actually be considered uh, as one of the candidates, but uh, they then disqualified him. You cut out there, so try saying that again. Said, oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the other thing. I don't really care about him. Like, whatever. Yeah, like- I-, I just wanted to cover that because that's what's happened this week so far. So we might uh, be deficient on some rebel content in the coming weeks. I don't know what uh, they're going to start putting out there. It could be that because of this whole social distancing thing, he's not able to like send Kian or David to harass people because that would look bad when we're all being told to social distance and isolate ourselves. That's it. I'm, I'm done. I just we're going to have to figure out what we're going to do going forward. So uh, I've, I've talked to some people that I might do like other interviews and stuff, and we'll still get together every week and find something to talk about Ezra related or do what we're going to do next, which is talk about certain things that people can do while uh, dealing with COVID-19. I might do this every week. So if you are interested or have something that you want to support, Send us a message either through the email, which is imperial.fake.news at gmail.com, or you can reach us on any of the social medias, and we will try to share them with as many people as we can with whatever reach we do have on this podcast. The first is there's a petition by 15 in Fairness, which is an organization that we've both uh, marched for and helped out with, and they are pushing the government to help with EI supports but also paid sick leave stuff. So there's a petition. And again, I'll post all these links on the show's description as well. I mean, there's not much to say there necessarily for 15 in Fairness. I mean, it's a pretty obvious cause. Uh, Right now we're struggling with this thing and we want to make sure that people who do have to work for whatever reason have the ability to not go in if they're sick. But then we also need the supports there for employment insurance for all the people who are being laid off. Absolutely. The next one is Migrant Rights Network, which is another great organization that people should support. They have a petition right now to try to get the government to also help out migrant workers, which is a big part of the Canadian economy. They are also suffering in this crisis, and they're being left out of a lot of the bills that the liberals are trying to Liberals with the rest of the government are trying to pass in this crisis. Migrants are people too, people. This one's more local to us, but I wanted to mention it because it's important, but also you can find this out elsewhere. But a lot of the United Ways that exists across the country and provinces, all uh, in cities are having like COVID-19 relief programs. And United Way is a really excellent organization that helps people in need and so they're always strapped for cash to begin with but especially in this crisis when they're dealing with people in situations in which they either lack shelter or lack the resources to help themselves buy food or other things during this crisis it's a great organization to to help so we have our own united way elgin middlesex And if you want to donate to them, please, again, we'll post the link, but they're pretty easy to find if you just Google United Way. Local love, as they say. That's their big slogan right now. Now, this is is yours. I will hand it to you. I heard PSAC 610 has a petition. So right now uh, at Western, not only just with our union, which is PSAC 610, but also PSAC 901, which is Queen's University, we're starting a petition for um, to basically suspend summer tuition. 
And the reason for that is because graduates or it's for graduate students specifically because grad students are expected to continue on with their schooling in the summertime. They don't get it off like undergrads do or I guess most undergrads do. I know some people take summer classes. Um, however, we're still expected to pay full tuition and we don't make an income during that time. And usually we're able to find employment in the summer months to help pay off uh, rent, groceries, um, tuition as well. But because of the COVID-19, I don't think there's any like new jobs up and coming for us to apply for. And then in addition to that, the universities have been closed. So we don't even have full access to the resources and materials that we would need to like effectively do our work. And I mean, like for someone like myself, I'm pretty okay. I'm not like 100%, I think, in a secure situation where I can completely do my work, but I can do majority of it from home. But there are some people who have to like, go into labs and like take care of animals. There's some people who have to like, I don't know, like they have to be in a setting like doing field research or they need to be um, using their office space because maybe all their data was there and they can't bring their data home because of X approval. And because of this, they're going to be delayed in their research and their ability to graduate, which could also mean that they have to like pay more into the university. Um, in the long run. So things, more things need to be done. And right now we're just trying to like, as a basic step is just get us to not be paying tuition for the summer months. Cause we're not even getting the full resources to do our work. I mean, it should be also uh, attached to general movements to have free tuition generally anyways, which I think is a good idea. I'm in agreement with as well. But in the meantime, I mean, people are in need now and the universities need to do more to help out. Another petition we got is the Algamated Transit Union, ATU. They have a petition to basically help in various cities the make sure that transit has the funds and resources such that they can remain functioning but also remain safe for their drivers that are considered essential and frontline workers during this crisis. And so uh, go sign up for that. And of course, don't I mean, our city right now has used our is now free transit during the crisis in London, Ontario. I don't know if that's going to be the same in every city, but even though it's free right now, I still would recommend don't use it. <laughs> you know, um, well, I agree. yeah, unless they have to. Exactly. Unless you really, really have to, like you don't have a car, but you need to go to the grocery store or whatever. But don't go, hey, free transit. I'm just going to drive everywhere now. Yeah, party. <laughs> also, people can use Instacart, which is like a grocery delivery service for those that maybe need to use public transportation. Um, Instacart usually is with like Loblaws and they'll deliver groceries like right to your door and they'll just drop the groceries door uh, at the front door and leave. Yeah. So that's also another alternative suggestion for people they need to go out and get groceries instead of taking public trans transportation and potentially getting sick it does have a delivery fee but the delivery fee isn't i don't think it's that much i think it's like the equivalent of like a bus fare so a lot of those things are, are really good right now although i'm finding even i've heard from people like locally that they're being overwhelmed like their systems are being overwhelmed by everyone trying to use the delivery systems so it's getting to like, I mean, it's really putting a stress on the system. So like, hopefully if you can get through and use those, like use them, but obviously not everyone is going to be able to get through. I would just say plan a couple of days in advance, maybe. Yeah, for sure. I mean, planning in advance right now is just generally good advice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything planned in advance. So another one, I got told my friend uh, Robin wanted me to promote the Shore Center. And one thing that she said, so we don't have a shore center in London yet, but there's one in Kitchener for sure. And they offer resources in terms of reproductive rights and stuff like this and sex education and so forth. And so the one good thing about promoting them right now is apparently abortions and stuff like this are increasing during this uh, social distancing and COVID outbreak for various reasons. And so their resources are being stretched a bit thin. And so she said you can become a friend of the Shore Center. It's $100 a year and you get information and all kinds of other stuff. So it's another good cause to support. I got two more quick things to promote. So one is uh, there's a bunch of groups in various cities promoting rent strikes. 
and this seems to be a really touchy subject right now for a lot of people. The ones, the two most organized that I've seen is there's one in Ottawa, rent, and you can find them on Facebook as Rent Strike Ottawa, and they're planning for a strike starting April 1st, coming up. And there's another one in Toronto called Keep Your Rent Toronto. I'm pretty sure that it also starts on April 1st. And the idea from talking to some of the people in the Ottawa one, which I know of a, a few of the organizers there, it's basically planning to go so long as this virus is going and people have to remain socially distant and they're losing jobs and so forth, right? And you got a lot of people like freaking out being like, oh, but landlords need the money too and stuff. And And the thing that annoys me is that may be true. I tend to like just have an annoyance with landlords generally. understand why their only income is owning a house. Yeah, if your only income is just owning property, that tells you what's wrong with our system right now. But the other flip side of this is why is it the tenant's fault then because of this virus that they have to worry about the prospect of losing their home in the future? Like right now, the government said that they're stopping evictions. So you won't get evicted right now, even if you do do a rent strike, but you could face punishment down the line as your landlord reacts to maybe you going on strike or something like this. A lot of tenants are in dire straits. They're not property owners. Like they're living paycheck to paycheck. So it's not fair for mortgages to be deferred, but rent not to be deferred at this moment. So I agree. And then some of these landlords are like deferring their mortgages, which is the craziest part about it. I mean, it's something that they're eventually going to have to pay back anyways. And look, I say this as someone who I like my landlord uh, as landlords go. I'm not saying this to say that, you know, like hashtag not all landlords, right? But part of it, and like, I feel bad too. Like, I, I don't know if I would do a rent strike because of the particular particularities with my landlord because he works in the healthcare industry and is on the front line of this right now, and it feels like weird for me to like <laughs> kick him while he's down, actually helping lives. But not everyone is obviously in that situation. Yeah. Although my my landlord's pretty cool. I I think if he would be promoting having rent deferred anyways. Uh, but I'm also in a lucky position where my wife is still working from home, so we still have an income. But I get the necessity for a rent strike, so if people want to do it, I know those two are the best organized right now in Ottawa and in Toronto, so uh, you can check those out. And the last thing I want to promote, I, I promoted this last time, but we have a caremongering page that I've been... I guess I'm one of the administrators on and uh, trying to help people out, connect them to resources. So one of the services we offer is we have a form you can fill out and we try to connect people who can pick up stuff and connect it with people who are in need, who can't afford things like the uh, pick up stuff that you were talking about earlier in order to help facilitate people and their needs right now. I recently, one thing that was nice is my neighbor who works at uh, Superstore, which is one of the grocery chains, she knew that I administered this Facebook group and she brought over extra rolls of toilet paper that she picked up at the grocery store she works at and it's like, advertise and give it to someone who needs it. So That's nice. Yeah. So it's just a way that if you have resources and you can help people sign up and uh if you're in need, sign up. And and I know they've sprung up all across. So we're actually now, the, the care mongers are organizing. We've got connections with care mongering groups in Kitchener, Cambridge, Hamilton, Toronto, and we're all getting connected. So we're trying to help people out at this time of need. So, so join and be nice to your moderators. My God, I've had to like quell so many fights on these damn pages. <laughs> If you enjoy what you have heard so far, please give us a few bucks over on patreon.com slash imperial news. If you want to stay informed about what we are doing, you can also find us on Twitter at imperial news with a Z. We have an Instagram account. Account? What was I thinking? We have an Instagram account. <laughs> news Imperial. We have a private Facebook group called Imperial News. We also have a Discord set up. You can find the link on our Twitter. And again, I've been doing video game playing and streaming and chatting and the discord is filling up a bit so if you enjoy chatting about politics particularly left politics and criticizing far-right politics which is pretty much the show 
Come hang out in our Discord if you're feeling particularly lonely during self-isolation. Lastly, you can email us any question at imperial.fake.news at gmail.com. Special thanks to my friend Mason Tickle for the transition beats. You can find his work at striatom.bandcamp.com. Thank you for listening. And if your source for health news is a boomer that writes oil and gas propaganda for Toronto Sun, please change who you are. That might be asking too much, but please, (laughs) stop being you. Albumbia, Albumbia, how lovely are your wheat fields?